Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the City's Podcast. She was an up-and-coming star, making a huge impression in movies featuring stars like Warren Beatty, Clint Eastwood, Burt Lancaster. But Gene Seberg of Marshalltown supported groups like the Black Panther Organization, and that drew the attention of the FBI, and it ruined her life. Now a new documentary about Gene Seberg has been made, and it will premiere on WQPT March 27th. We talked with Kelly Rundle from Fourth Wall Films about Gene Seberg, actress, activist, icon. So Kelly, what drew you to the story of uh, Gene Seberg? Well, as you know, Tammy and I are uh, making films uh, all the time about Midwestern history primarily. And um, Gary McGee, who's now a good friend, approached us with a project he had started in the late 80s on uh, Gene Seberg. And uh, so it kind of fit into what we look for, which is a story that has some kind of local or regional following, but deserves a wider audience. And really, the more we got into the story, the more interesting it became. Well, now, she was born in Marshalltown, so there's your Iowa hook. Um, And then she starred in movies with some of the greats in the 50s. And yes. then what happened? Let's talk about that. She was an activist, which is actually, you know, part of the, the title of your documentary. She, 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 got, uh, she was a supporter of the uh, Black Panther organization at a time when the establishment, particularly the FBI, thought of them as a uh, very uh, evil part of America. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I'll back up to, to Marshalltown just to point out that, as we do in the film, that Jean's activism uh, began in her childhood. She recognized inequity specifically uh, for black people in Marshalltown and at age 14 joined the NAACP. So I think some people come to activism maybe after they've achieved some notoriety, but in Jean's case, it was just a continuation of things that she had pursued even in childhood. Uh, As you say, she did become a supporter of the Black Panther Party, was initially attracted to them because they were offering a free breakfast program Uh, for children. And um, as you say, she was targeted by the FBI via a program called COINTELPRO that was in operation between 1956 and 1971. And from there, the FBI was feeding some information to uh, news media, particularly in this case, it was to the uh, Los Angeles Times. And the Times went to a, uh, a columnist, kind of a Hollywood columnist, that put what in the paper? Well, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, it was, and it's, it's not easy to tell, you know, or to know to what extent the paper or the other media outlets knew whether the story was true or not. But essentially they were implying that Gene was 
having an affair with a Black Panther leader and was pregnant uh, as a result. And that was the story that was, that was planted. And it's interesting because I did read a recent article uh, by a columnist in the Los Angeles Times taking yes. blame, basically saying, hey, this was not fact-checked. It was just basically put right. in the paper. It, it, it was picked up later. I believe it was Newsweek a few weeks later than that, where it actually yep. named her specifically. She was pregnant yep. at the time. The fact that it could have been a black man just ruined her, her reputation, but also she lost the child. I mean, the, the tragedy was tragedy upon tragedy, and it really made her uh, uh, suicidal, let's say. Well, it was extremely upsetting, uh, for sure. And Gene Seberg was among a number of uh, prominent people who were targeted by COINTELPRO, but they also targeted more uh, just regular people who might be college professors or uh, that, that type of person, and then would do similar things to them. People might, and in some cases, people never knew where it came from. But the idea was just to discredit them in any way that they could in the eyes of the public or their friends and family. In your documentary on Jean Seberg, how do you see her? Do you see her heroic or do you see her more as a victim? Well, I suppose she's a little of both. Um, Jean certainly could have chosen not to be an activist. She could have chosen to ignore uh, racial inequality in America, and she chose not to do that. She also did her activism uh, quietly. Uh, it wasn't a public show uh, kind of thing like it might be for some other people in her uh, situation. So um, she that 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 caring about other people was just something that was consistent in her life. And the notion that somebody might be treated differently because of the color of their skin or any other reason was something that really bothered her. It is also interesting the time that this was occurring. We're talking about the late 1950s, and this is a period where America had pretty much gone through the Red Scare. Um, you know, it's, it's a little, is it not post-McCarthyism, but I mean, those yeah. wounds were still very fresh. They were, and I think if you think about that period, you know, one of the targets the FBI had was people who were opposed to the Vietnam War. Uh, early on, when it began in the mid-50s, it would have been more of a focus maybe on communism or people interested in socialism. Um, on the far right end of the spectrum, they targeted the Ku Klux Klan as well. Uh, but it was mostly what you would think of as left-leaning organizations that they were trying to uh, disrupt in, in any way they could. And, and it kind of drove Jean Seberg out of the country, did it not? Did she not spend uh, time in France after most of this? She did. She, she got to France, though, pretty quickly after starring in her first film, St. Joan. Her second film, Bonjour Tristesse, was filmed in France. That's where she met her first husband, Francois, and he... Um, he eventually led her to starring in her most famous film, uh, Breathless, through his friend uh, Jean-Luc Godard. Did she ever come back to Iowa, or is it that once she left, she was uh, gone for good, so to speak? No, there's a little bit of a myth that Jean never came back to Iowa. She did come back. In fact, we talked to Jean's family and friends about that, and uh, she would come back whenever she was able to do so. Um, you know, she continued to be in Hollywood films up and th up through uh, the late 60s, uh, 68, I think. Um, and then after that, didn't, didn't do any more American films. But it's somewhat remarkable that she became both a star abroad and here in the States. And um, that's kind of unique uh, for an actress.
It, it really very much is. Do you also see her as, as a strong person or was she, was she fragile? Because as you say, her activism wasn't really that public. I mean, she had support, she had her beliefs, but she wasn't standing on a stage and, and, and espousing those things necessarily. Um, and then you get hit with uh, the, the Los Angeles Times article, uh, the allegations of, 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 as you said, her involvement perhaps, and a pregnancy from a Black Panther member. I mean, did she become more fragile or do you think she became stronger because of it? I, I really am amazed uh, all, all the time when I think about Jean Seberg. I, there's an interview she did with Mike Wallace uh, after her um, performance in St. Joan was kind of panned by critics. The film itself is awful. I mean, Jean's one of the best things about the film, but she's so young and she's so poised. Uh, and, you know, Mike Wallace is interviewing her like she stole money from the Bank of England, you know? And um, I think she had that strength, particularly in a public setting, but I think it would be troubling to any of us to be uh, harassed in the way she was. Her phones were tapped and people were following her. I mean, initially, Friends and family thought she was just being paranoid, but right. that's really what was happening. Yeah, I mean, when you hear that, you do think that uh, you're just being paranoid. And then you right. look back a, a couple decades later and even the FBI saying, yeah, we should never have done that. We will never do yeah. that again. Uh, it, it's an amazing piece of history, don't you think? I think so. And, and as we've shown the film around once in a while, an audience member will ask, well, don't you think the FBI is going to take a dim view of your criticism of their program? But you know, they said it was wrong. They said they did it. They said it was wrong and that they weren't uh, going to do it again. How should uh, Jean Seberg be remembered? I think she is remembered as uh, uh, a fashion icon primarily. And I hope that that brings some people to her films. Uh, there's four or five really good films uh, that Jean was in. And she was a working actress and she was uh, courageous in her choices. She often went with first time directors. So she really approached it as an art form, I think. Kelly Rundle from Fourth Wall Films. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.